You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Good morning. Aha. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The time is now 10 to 8 and the store is now closing. With all remaining customers, please select their final purchases and make their ways to the checkouts. On behalf of Texas Homebase, we'd like to thank you for shopping with us and wish you a safe journey home. We could try and do the, the airline one. Wait, passenger, Miss Kimmon, please make your way to flight EZ number three. Good morning, everybody. This is now too high. So we have another update from Mr. Montgomery. He, is, he has been to, uh, where's he been? He's been to Phoenix, he's been to Veracruz, he's been to Cuba, and now he's back to Phoenix. And he's currently in Phoenix. And speak now, Mr. Montgomery, or forever hold your peace. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all well. Enjoyed having one hour less in bed. Time zones are an interesting phenomenon. I've had eight flights out of ten, been through six time zones, and thanks to your prayers, really 100%. Uh, no issues with jet lag or, or tiredness, still full of energy. And we're now on the, the, the home straight. So the last time I spoke to you last Sunday, I was about to go to the Compassion's 12th anniversary service. My goodness, are they getting it done? Like, places jammed out. They've got uh, fantastic worship. Then they've got prophetic songs, uh, corporate prophetic words, uh, 95% of people come up for ministry. Uh, before that, when I actually came to the celebration part, they've got a full-on like confetti cannon thing uh, and all these fluttering silver bits of paper coming down, and they know how to celebrate. And also they brought out uh, groups that were representing the, the areas of potential church plants, uh, two local cities, a group from the mountains, and then also uh, two uh, children representing Cuba, and they all had these little signs up to, to recognize that. And what struck me so much about that was uh, 12 years previous in a hotel room in Barcelona, Dennis planted a seed by a prophetic word, and they followed that uh, prophetic word, and that seed has now become a tree, and the fruit was on the tree great inspiration for who we are in DCB and the prophetic word that has been given to us and the vision that has been given to us to build a church. So our uh, sapling tree is going to become a bigger tree and have its own fruit and uh, it's just very exciting and very encouraging. So we went to Cuba. My goodness, that's a just between you and me, it's a pretty messed up place. It looks as though some uh, apocalypse had happened which turned out to be the uh, revolution 60 years ago and the, the world has somehow tried to cope uh, since that thing happened. Uh, cars that are 90 years old on the, the, the streets. Uh, Dennis is a car buff, so he's pointing out all these different cars, 1957 Chevy and etc, etc. Just like a, a different world. So dilapidated, so many beautiful buildings just lying derelict. Uh, dirt, squalor, Everything run down, really quite grueling. Destino Iglesia La Havana. And it's small like ourselves, but they're after the values, practices, and priorities. And the presence of the Spirit amongst them is going to attract people. And if they stay with it, 
stay on the course, get past the cultural influences in their environment, they're also uh, going to build a, a tree that's going to become something quite significant. So I uh, came back from that last night, was at the leaders team meeting, oh, a profound spirit of repentance came upon the people, lots of tears, uh, public repentance for, for sins and really a, a clearing out. Uh, and uh, here things are really happening. Uh, the, the, the Spirit seems to be bringing a, a real um, realignment to what he's calling to be as a church. So uh, I'm about to, this is Saturday, it's sort of a pretty easy day. Uh, tomorrow I'm preaching and hoping to bring something significant to the people. It, it's stirring in me and I'm quite excited about that. Uh, then I've got an elder team meeting and then I am on a plane. I so as always I've got some questions for your consideration <laughs> Mr Montgomery took up most of my time there uh, isn't it great to hear what's happening um, and excited to, to have him back typically what happens is he comes back with like all of these presents not as in physical presents he doesn't do that if you're waiting for a physical gift you'll be waiting a while uh, but he comes back with uh, spiritual gifts, things that he's got, insights that he's had, experiences that he's had, and testimonies. So I would encourage you to grill him, ask him as many questions as you can, and just interview him about what happened while he was there. Now, what tends to happen is when it comes to the end of people being away, people switch off and stop praying. And I've seen numerous times where things go remarkably wrong, and it all kicks off just as they're departing. So please continue to cover him until he gets back here on Tuesday. And then you can sign off and you can uh, score that one out of your prayer list. Okay? Claire mentioned this morning about the uh, discipleship event we're going to have on reaching. And I want to, uh, we want to continue to demystify that. So I haven't said for a few weeks, but we reaching, renewing, reproducing. So we want to be reaching out and inviting people to join us. And so many of you are doing that. So thank you for doing that. But please continue to do so. And if for you it's more of a stretch and a struggle, that's all right. Just figure it out and find your way and let your light shine, okay? Mother's Day. Have you said uh, happy Mother's Day to your mother if she is here and around? And the grannies. We want to celebrate and acknowledge Mother's Day today, both spiritual and natural. We want to celebrate our own mothers, whether we can celebrate with them or celebrate the legacy that they've left us. And Claire's already touched on this. I want to acknowledge that for some, this is an incredibly painful day. We all know somebody or we are that person. So we get it, all right? And I'm, I'm sorry that that's the case. In Isaiah 61, 11, Jesus said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So if you're brokenhearted today, we know someone who can help you. We don't want to dodge the ball on this. There's pain. There's loss. There's difficulty. There's things that never happened that we hope would. And we want to acknowledge that, okay? So if you're brokenhearted today, please go to Jesus and please respond for ministry. But let's remember, as Nehemiah said, and we haven't got there yet, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not circumstantially based joy. It's joy that he has present with him all the time. And often he tends to give it at times when you think that sorrow should be the emotion or the companion that you have when there's actually joy present in him, okay? I hope that's helpful to you. I hope that if it's a wonderful day that this enhances your wonder, and if it's a difficult day, you feel like there's a little bit of comfort there too. 
So we're grateful for you and we want to celebrate you. And the uh, Kingdom Kids are going to give out a little box of something to every female in the place, okay? So you can enjoy that. Woohoo! So Nehemiah, how are we doing? This has been a successful message series. How much of a recap do I need to do today, people? Did you find benefit from last week? Can you remember last week? Do you remember the image of the weed in the garden? Did that nail anybody? Is there anywhere where you're looking at the weeds and you've been going, look at my gorgeous weed. And then the gardener comes in and goes, that's not a gorgeous plant. And apparently for somebody I said weed and they kept thinking of marijuana the entire time. Don't know. Am I, was she on her own there? Wasn't Claire. Might have been another Claire. So as always, why am I asking you that? We want to be able to take these messages and put our hands on them and make changes to our life. If not, it's just a time that we sat here and listened to somebody speak. You may have enjoyed it. You may have not. But uh, we want to take this away and apply it to our lives. So uh, hopefully there will be some points in this morning that you'll go, oh, I wonder. If there are, just ask the Holy Spirit. I, had a, I was just feeling a wee bit off at one point this week. Ever get those slightly off days? Feeling a little bit crushed. What does crushing indicate? Deceitful tongue. Proverbs 15.4. A deceptive tongue crushes the spirit, right? So uh, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I feel a little bit crushed. Would you help me see what it is? Phone goes. Have a wonderful conversation. Feel a heck of a lot lighter afterwards. Yes and amen. Okay? So if you're experiencing anywhere you're, where you're feeling a little bit crushed, it's a bit like when the oil light comes on on your dashboard. It's an indication to you that something's not quite right. If you interview the Spirit, He will gladly tell you. Often He will not tell you if you don't. How does He do that? That's not fair. It's his rules, not mine. So Nehemiah is the story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself, and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. And Nehemiah's rise when there's a need for rebuilding and restoration. And last week I commented on the names of all the different builders and made the point that it took all of the different aspects of God that were shown through all of the builders to restore the wall. And it's exactly the same with us. Just as one body... The one has many parts, all of its many parts form one body, and so it is with us in Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. So if you're here and you feel like an insignificant little bit of gravel or sand or a pebble, every stone is used. And also, we were talking when we had our leaders team during the week, often what happens is there's this big gap in the wall, and you feel like this high, and God will come and say, that's your place right there. And you go, can't be me, I won't fit. Well, God is in a habit of calling things that are not as though they are. Why does he do that? Because you'll grow into them if you believe him. Now, if you don't, you won't. Unity is a force to be reckoned with. And as we stand, as we stand together in unity, we allow others to rise. So any place where you stop the attack of the enemy in your life and go, that's not happening, most evident if you have children. If there's anywhere, if you're a parent and you have issues that are present in your life, you partner with God and go, okay, God, I'm going to respond in faith, integrity, and obedience, and I'm going to overcome this thing. You will allow your children to rise up protected from what you struggled with. 
So we were looking at uh, building in progress, mind your head. Building work for God, with God, will always be opposed. And the laborers who carried materials worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other, and each of the builders worked with their sword strapped to their side. And threat is designed to throw you off the mission, and if you're subjective to circumstances rather than the call of God on your life, the enemy's strategy of threat will work. And I made the point that in the story of Nehemiah, all there is is empty threats. They invited him to come to the valley of Oh No. What a name. Oh No. Do you think there's something in that? Oh No. The valley of Oh No. Oh No. How many times does the enemy invite you to come to the valley of Oh No. The text message doesn't come back. Someone looks at you funny. Something's said in work. Something happens in work. Something happens in relationships. And the enemy goes, come on to the valley of, oh no. We arrive going, oh no. And the enemy goes, boom. Why don't you just not go to the valley of, oh no. That's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah went, no. Kept on building. How do you fight? Ephesians 6 contains the list of armor that we have available for us to put on. And we want to look at Ephesians 6, 17, which is take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, if you start to live your life with your sword at your side, because are we building something? Yes, well, considerable amount of us agree that we are. Is God building you? Is God's work always opposed? Right? So if we live our lives with the sword at our side, and that sword brings a separation between the soul and the spirit, when we find ourselves in circumstances where the soul man is dominating, we can bring the word of God and separate. What did I do when I was in the car on Friday? I was thinking, I'm just not feeling quite right. Bring out the sword, the word of God. Proverbs 15, 4, slices straight down. A deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. Immediately the Red Sea of those circumstances part. Then whenever they part, there's a highway three. And the highway three is, Holy Spirit, what's going on? What do you know it comes in relationship? So we've got to live with our sword strapped to our side. So uh, we were sitting in small group, and I asked Aaron for his permission to even use this title. But we're sitting in small group, and Aaron's uh, being trained to be a small group leader and doing a fantastic job. We salute you for that. But one of the questions that he had, I think I went like this, oh, I think there's a message in that. He said, is what you're building worth protecting? It was a good question, wasn't it? For me, it was like it just explodes with all of these different avenues of thoughts, things we can glean from, insights that we can get, and hopefully you're going to get some of these this morning. So when you build a sandcastle, are you building it because it's going to stay? We need to work on this crowd participation, Malarkey. <laughs> Do you want me to give you the heads up and over-communicate? I'm about to make a point that would be good if you vocalized, causing air to pass through your vocal cords and make a sound. When you're building a sandcastle, are you building it with the intention of it remaining? Well done. Good job. Hey, your standing causes others to rise, and may they rise. Mm. Inherent in the creation of a sandcastle is the understanding of its destruction. 
It's something to enjoy, but it's not worth protecting. Now, most of the time you build a sandcastle. Now, for those of you who now are playing all by myself with Celine Dion in the background, and you're building sandcastles on your own, all by my... Tears falling down, you don't need to get water from the sea because you're just weeping into the moat and it seeps away and it's just, it's just my life personified. We'll have many messages about uh, not yielding yourself to the voice of the arrows or the message of the arrows. But normally you build a sandcastle with other people, don't you? Yes, Colin. Yes, we do. No, on your own, okay? Right. For those of you, this is hard work this morning. Anybody else with me? I think I'll go back to the, if you have any, like to respond. Um, when you're building a sandcastle with other people, let's put when in there so I'm not asking the question. The relationships that you're forging as you build or maintaining or developing while you build the sandcastle, are they worth protecting? Yes. So the building of the sandcastle, which is impermanent, is a vehicle by which you build something that is permanent. Isn't that correct? But are you desperately trying to protect the sandcastles in your life? When all they are is vehicles. Now, last week I told you about when we were called to move up here. So we get the call. It's pretty clear to us that that's what we're called to do. We get in touch with the bank, and we say to the bank, uh, we'd like to port a mortgage. And they say, you probably know this as well as I do now, but they say, no, Mr. Woodward, you can't afford, afford the mortgage that you have. I get off the phone, and I think, I'm pretty sure I heard God. If it didn't, my faith is just about to completely fall apart. But I went with, I definitely heard God. Because there's always two trees in the garden, isn't there? And there's always choosing life, and there's choosing death. So I went with life. My friend rings me, and he, people ring me, it's great. He rang me and he said, I'm going to fight this with you. He said, here's the point on the mortgage legislation you need to uh, argue on. I went back to them and said, I'd like to appeal on this basis. And uh, they came back to me and said, oh, Mr. Woodward, we are more than happy to port your mortgage. Learned that a no is not always a no, and that anything's possible. Yes and amen. Okay? Now, we love our house, because <laughs> Claire could go some parts of it. We do love our house. It's great. I love uh, what where we are. I love where we live. I love the, where the kids are at school. It's great where Claire works. It's close to Titanic. All of that stuff. But that's not what this is about. What this is about is who we know now God to be. What our testimony is. What it means to stand whenever the authorities of the day are going, no. To stand on the word of God. His faithfulness to us, his goodness to us, to us, the strategy of our children getting into where they are at school. When we uh, were moving up here, Isaac went to uh, Mosley Nursery. And really, we were living in Balnahinch at the time that we were applying for him to be up here. Now, typically, it either goes on geography or it goes on, is it your name? Is that the two things? Geography and your name. We thought, well, we're, we're in this deep. We'll just apply on this basis. Now, Isaac got in. Do you know why he got in? Because for some reason that year they decided to start at the end of the alphabet. And take geography out. And they took geography out of it. <laughs> well, that's just you, Colin. No, it's not just me. Are you having trouble connecting? <laughs> do you see what we do? We either look at leaders and go, well, that's the leader, or we read in the Bible and go, well, that's those in the Bible. This is for all of us. 
And the sandcastles are merely part of the vehicle that get us to the place of permanence with him. The stories that we tell, whatever they are, are stories in the physical world of spiritual realities. Now, if the soul attempted to answer uh, the questions of, uh, you know, whenever someone comes along and, you know, they say to you about the bank, uh, the bank's going, no, you're not going to get in and it's not going to work. The soul's going to come up with stuff that's just not going to cut up. When the enemy comes and accuses us and says, who are you, Colin Woodward, to think that God would call you up to Newton Abbey to plant the church? Who are you? And what do we do? We say, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, and the enemy, bang, bang, bang. Have you ever found it successful engaging the enemy? Accusation? You did that, didn't you? What about that there? What about that sin over there? What about that there? Most of us jump onto his turf and go, I'll take you on. Well, what do you know? You're dealing with this ancient creature that is powerful in his own right. I don't want to deal with the enemy. We want to have the enemy accusing us and pointing the finger at us, and we go, Jesus, I love you, and I trust you, and you said that I'm clean and I'm spotless, and you said that I don't need to be guilty because you forgive me, and I'm a child of God, and even though these circumstances are horrific, that you've said that for those who are called, in, called according to your purpose and for those who love you, you will figure this out. And you also said that you'll make everything beautiful in its time. You start engaging the enemy and it's all over. If a soul attempts to answer the question, it'll cite soulish things and give the answer. It'll play on the enemy's turf by attempting to answer the enemy's questions and the enemy will overcome the one that answer the quest, answers the questions, what if... Who are you to? What will happen if? What will happen when? Or come on down to the valley of, oh no! Who are you? Who are you to do that? I'm a child of God. Who are you? What's your response going to be? Are you going to try and reason your way out with an intellectual creature that is more ancient than you can understand? Are you going to hold on like a child to your father's leg and go, God, I'm really scared, but you've told me that it's going to be all right. You will always be an adult before men, but you're always a child before God. Find liberty in expressing your emotions as a child before God. You're scared, tell them. You're sitting here and you're 83. I don't think there is anybody here who's 83. I'm not going to look at Morris. Keep your eyes down. But you're sitting here and you're 83 years old or you're listening on the podcast and you're thinking, I can't get on like a child. Who said? In fact, the one that you should be listening to said that's the only way that you're going to get into the kingdom. I have found gold and said to him, Daddy, I'm really scared right now. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. What version was it picking there? The blood of the Lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is enough, covers over all our sins and releases us to release ourselves by forgiving those who have sinned against us. Our testimony. 
who we know God to be? What stories do you tell about God? What have you been saved from? And what is God restoring and rebuilding in you? And then finally, settle that God's way is better than he, that he is better than you think he is, that his way is better than you think it is, and trust him and do whatever he is asking you to do, whatever. Loving your life, even to the point of, God, if you call me to give up my life for you, I'm gonna do it. Now that's scary stuff, isn't it? You don't often come to church and there's an altar call for martyrdom. For those of you who are here this morning and would like to take up the gift of martyrdom, come on right up. For those of us or those in the body of Christ who do, maybe they've won a greater prize than you can possibly imagine. See, this is real, isn't it? We kind of flit about as if Christianity is like an add-on, like a bore exhaust that you put on your car when you're a boy racer. Or a coat that you put on. When he wants it all. So, as difficult as it might be, it might be good to square that away. If he, if he asks you for it all, what are you going to do? What's the enemy wanting to attack and destroy? Well, he wants to destroy the image of God within you. And he wants to destroy your image of God for you. What does his strategy look like? I've gone over this before. John 10.10. 10. Thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's unpack it a little. Steal is the word klepse, which means to take. Steal secretly by stealth. Kill is thuse, which is as a sacrifice and offer on an altar. And then destroy is apolese, which means fully destroy and cut off entirely. Do you get the gist of what he wants to do to you? The enemy will convince you of what's not true of your todays to steal what's possible and present in your tomorrows. And just like God, because all the enemy can ever do is try to, uh, what's the word? Counterfeit everything that God does. The enemy will try to reach into your past and destroy it too as well. So he wants to kill, steal and destroy the image of God you're created in. Genesis 1.29, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. The identity you have in God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And here's the question. In the story of Nehemiah, what were Nehemiah's enemies really attacking? Was it the building of the wall? Or was it the purposes of God and his people? And then the immortal words of Forrest Gump, maybe both is happy to get the same time. He doesn't, the enemy doesn't only want to steal from you as to who you are in Jesus. He wants to, and I hate using this word, but it's, it's effective. He wants to rape you, beat you within an inch of your life, toss you about a bit more and squeeze and eke out every little bit of life that there can and enjoy every minute of it. Until you understand that you have an enemy that wants to do that to you, you're going to live as if you don't have an enemy at all. Remember, who was really attacking them? Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So who is really attacking you? Is it people? 
Is it addictions and patterns of behavior? Is it just feelings? Is it circumstances? What is it? And spiritual warfare is hidden for a reason. The enemy doesn't want you to know that you're being attacked and he'll come. Now, you've got to get this. He'll come friendly. He'll come helpful. He'll come clean and tidy. He'll come with a smile on his face and he'll come sympathetic. Come on in. He'll come seemingly caring. He'll come with some solutions for you, all the while utterly wanting to destroy you. But wouldn't it be very helpful if he would announce his presence? Wouldn't you love that? You wake up in the morning, I'm about to pop in a demonic train of thought. Oh, right, get your shield up. It won't get in. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. They seem to have avoided that one. We're going to hit you with 23 more shells. Is that what your spiritual life has been like? The enemy comes in and goes, Hello, I'm here to attack you and rape you of the joy in your life. (laughs) Would you let him if he did? We are though, aren't we? We're living in this dream world that somehow... It's not fair. If we were able to do this, God would tell us. And, and, you know, he would announce it and he would say this and he would say that. And And you know, the closer that I get to God, the more I realize that he actually does. There's times when there's things come on the TV and you know that the spirit within you is saying, you need to shut that off. Or you get into a conversation that's not helpful and you know that's not good, nor is it helpful. And the guy that he sent to be your pastor, if you've chosen for me to be that for you, then says to you, well, a deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. And yet we're crushed all the time and we go, God just doesn't love me. You're being very animated this morning, aren't I? First Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And yet... Our God is the Lion of Judah. And often what we do is we jump into the enemy's mouth and we resist the roar of the Lion of Judah. We've got to be responsive and intentional to deal with the activity of the enemy in our lives. So this is strategy H-E-T-C. I think we should start calling it that. Doesn't it? H-E-T-C? No? Come on, Aaron, that rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, H-E-T-C? No, I'm on my own there. Even Aaron doesn't. Oh, well, ditch it. It was, seemed good this morning. Maybe it was because it was too early. Hold every thought captive? No? Hey, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, H-E-T-C? No, I'm on my own. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ. Protect your mind by stopping sinning and also starting to pursue righteousness. Let me give you a definition quickly of protection. Keep safe from harm or injury. And some synonyms are keep safe, keep from harm, save, safeguard, shield, preserve, defend. You get the picture. So what actually is worth protecting? Are you worth protecting? Good. What are you worth? What's your self-worth? Does your self-worth go up and down like the stock exchange? Right in the circumstances and the smiles of those in your life. 
art, I know a little bit about the art world, art's only worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. So there was a, a painter who did, well, he was a printer, and he did a, a series of canvases, I think it was, that uh, had one of them was like $10, and the next was $200, and the next was $200,000, and then there was a couple of hundred million. And what do you know that the ones that had greater value ended up selling for more money? So something is only worth what someone is willing to pay for. Now make the step over. What are you worth? Are you there? What did Jesus do for you? What does that communicate to you? Christ paid the price to free us from the curse that the law is in Moses' teaching. He became a curse instead of us. Scripture says everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. Christ paid the price so that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to all the people of the world through Jesus Christ and we would receive the promised spirit through faith. Can I get you guys to come up? Until you realize your worth, you'll not protect yourself as you must. Until you learn to protect yourself as you must, you cannot protect others as you should. And until you learn to protect others... You cannot protect your church. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You must personally embrace something before you can give it away. And it's a principle that's present in the Word of God. Personal embrace before corporate release. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am in Matthew 16? And he said to Peter on the revelation of him as the Christ that he would build his church. So let's protect what God is building, embracing our worth in Jesus Christ, protecting ourselves and protecting each other and protecting his church. Would you stand with me? You'll find that every so often, what God will do is bring it down to the black and the white. Of the, if you asked me to die for, for you, if I asked you to die for me, would you? Would you give it all up? Would you give it all away? And when we get down to that place, we see him for who he really is. And we see life as it actually is. And we can start to live life as God lives it. So as always, I've got some questions to help you to respond. Are you protecting any sandcastles in your life? Or are you trying to fight the enemy on his turf, responding to his accusations against you from the soul rather than from the spirit? And do you need to repent of your lack of self-worth? and embrace who God says you are. If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you simply want ministry, please come and join me now at the front. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.